I am grateful to live in a nation that allows for peaceful assembly and freedom of speech. Are you? Even now as I speak, there are Christians that gather in much different circumstances. The work of preserving the church in inhospitable environments is something that we may have heard of. I pray it is something that we never experience. It may be that you are very aware of Christians around the world and what they may be experiencing today. Paul's letter to Timothy may well have been written in such a way as to permit it to get through. Rome, in its imperial might, was always using its scrutiny to find out who was out there that might be working some sort of insurrection. And so any couriers that were on the road would be stopped and their mail would be read. Paul found ways of getting his letters through, perhaps by placing statements such as this, that if there were a Roman soldier reading it, he might think to himself, well, there's no offense meant here by this letter. Is that this letter's undoing? No, it is not. Nor is it the undoing of these very words because they bore great importance not only to Timothy but to the churches that Timothy himself associated with and also to we who are hearing these words today. Let me consider them with you just again. First of all then, Paul says, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and it is acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus had struggles with authority. When he was relating to persons, he had to be careful lest they lynch him before he had an opportunity to be crucified. You hear me? In fact, it may well be that the reason that he spoke on a number of occasions and told persons to keep their healing or their miracle or his presence as a secret, a messianic secret, it may be that he was wanting to give the opportunity for his message to be heard by those that needed to hear in order that things might be set in motion as he intended them to be. 
His kingdom, however, could not condition itself to simply function under the rule of those who were in charge of the world. There's a passage in Luke chapter 13 where Jesus has made his way to Jerusalem. And this is his lament. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, get away from here for Herod wants to kill you. Now this is an interesting thing because at several points in scripture, it also is evident that the Pharisees intended to do Jesus harm. But here they're warning him that Herod had come and sent a message that he intended to do Jesus harm. Jesus said to them, go and tell that fox for me. Don't you imagine that that put Jesus's life in jeopardy right there? Go tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I finish my work Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, and I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. Jesus dealt with this authority in as best way he could. His dear cousin, John the baptizer connected with his heart in ministry. But you know the outcome and how he was killed because of a kingly wish at a party. Here you and I are gathered, and most of the time, we don't think any of this is of real danger for us. But there are dangers that we may not perceive in our world today. In this election cycle, there are severe differences of opinion amidst us as a nation. This is not new. This has been the case in every election cycle since the beginning of this nation. We have very short memories. And yet, that should not discount the fact that we are as separated as ever on certain subjects, particularly here in this nation. Some of you know in your family how hard it is to be of one opinion. Do you ever struggle with this? Does anyone in your family think differently than you? It's interesting that we somehow can abide within the family. I had someone recently 
speak to me and as I was getting a notion of some difficulties that were going on in their family, he says it's just family dynamics. Don't we all know that? Things occur. Children know how to test this better than anybody else. It sounds like I'm speaking from experience, and I suppose it does date back at times to our daughters, but you know what I'm talking about, that, that children can, even without knowing it, or maybe intending it, they can set parents even in opposition to each other. As a child goes to perhaps first the mother and asks the question, if they might have permission to do something or purchase something or whatever, go visit a friend. And the mother thinks over this wisely and says to the child, no, you may not. Well, the child knows well enough that that's only one part of the answer. And so the child goes to the father and the father unbeknownst to him is asked the same question that the mother was asked. And of course, his thinking might be quite different and he says yes to the child. Well, you've got a problem right there, don't you? You've got a problem in process that the parents have to work out and somehow come to a decision on. There is a dysfunction that it is at play in our politics. Our family, our nation family becomes much more divided day by day when you and I do not realize what is at play. In fact, Our candidates are our children. Hear me on this. Our candidates are our children. They have been raised up by this nation. And we get it wrong if we think that they are the ones that we are following. They are looking to us for cues of what we are supposed to do. And we're not sending them the best answers. They situate themselves in such a way because it's always been done like this. To use misinformation and backbiting and mudslinging, and conspiracy theory. And in their suggestions, we get so taken in that it is not healthy in any way for our nation, what is going on. You and I are called to be a people of prayer. Just this past weekend, Sunday a week ago, there was a large gathering of persons in the auditorium at Statesboro High School 
a day of prayer, an hour of prayer for our nation. Some of you may have been present for that event. It was a remarkable gathering. It was not nearly as diverse as I had hoped that it would be, but it was a remarkable gathering nonetheless by the numbers of people that turned out. What was even more remarkable was that the the 12 or 15 pastors that were giving leadership to it in no way, in no way showed partisan favor in the time that they were at the pulpit on stage. Now, granted, they didn't let any of us preach, (laughs) but they did ask all of us to pray. And it was in our prayers, in our prayers, that there was this kindness that was made known. This concern, but this sense of longing and hoping for what might make our nation greater. Some of you have participated in the National Day of Prayer down at our courthouse steps. It occurs every year. Uh, There are occasions when uh, the rain is not present that hundreds would gather there. It seems to me that we really should be gathering by the thousands on that day in order that we might pray together for our nation. We are coming up on Thanksgiving. An opportunity will be given for us together at the Averitt Center just two nights before Thanksgiving as a community in order to offer our prayers of thanks to God as a community. Prayer is a part of our covenant relationship. When someone comes to join Pippin Park United Methodist Church, the question that we ask is, will you uphold the church with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? Let's go back to that first one, your prayers. We're not asking simply that you pray for the church, even though we covet that. We do covet those prayers. We are asking that each person that is a part of this congregation consider themselves to be a person of prayer. That prayer would mark their lives, that they would pray for their family, that they would pray for their community, that they would pray for their community's leaders, that they would pray for this nation and its leaders, that we would pray for the world and all of its leaders. I was speaking to one of our community leaders yesterday, in fact, and this individual I told, I said, we are having a focus particularly on prayer. I've been praying for you, I said. In fact, we will pray even more so for you. And this person said back to me, she said, now I've just revealed who it is. She said to me, she said, please do pray for me. She said, I'm not complaining. She said, but this is more than I ever realized it would be when I got into this job. 
Can you think of how many other leaders in our country might be saying the very same thing? We had a backdoor neighbor when we lived in Warner Robins who was a native of Haiti. His accent revealed that when you would speak to him. He had been in the country long enough to where he was pretty fully Americanized. He had lived in New York City for a while and had come to live in Warner Robins. I'm not sure exactly how all that happened. He drove a school bus. That was his main employment, and he was constantly on the road. You can imagine in Warner Robins, all of the schools there. But I would have the opportunity to talk with him. We would stand, really, it was interesting, at the fence, he on one side and I on the other, and I would usually toss out these neighborly comments like, how are you doing today? And it was interesting that he would nine times out of 10 respond to me in such a beautiful way. He would look at me and he would say, God's grace is all around. You know, even in the list of my day that I was working on, it would not have occurred to me, usually when he would say that, that God's grace was all around. I was thinking about the stuff I had to get done. And he had gone way beyond where I was. Because as he looked at his life and at God's presence, God was present in all places, in all things. Mike Cope uh, tells the story that when he was in high school, he played football all four years. And he said every Friday night when his coach would get the football players, the 35 of them that were together on the sidelines before a game, he said they would be standing there in their shoulder pads and, and with their helmets in their hands, they would be crowded in close together and the coach would lead them in saying together the Lord's Prayer that we have shared just a little earlier. And as they moved through the Lord's Prayer, they would say, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, you know. And then they would all say together, amen. And then there would be this hesitation And then in one loud, common voice, every one of them would holler out, let's kill them. (laughs) He said, for four years we did that. And he said, no one ever made the connect, you know, between what was said in the prayer and what they were about to do on the field. And I know you're saying, it's it's just a game, it's just a game. But, But we do this disconnect. We do this very same thing. I mean, have you listened to the language of people and how they communicate? Our attitudes and our comments should reveal that we are people of prayer. The way we talk about the incumbents or the up-and-comings who are leaders of this nation is less than what Christ would want of us. If the worst that Jesus ever spoke of Herod was that he was a fox, 
Lord, help him if he would hear what we say about our candidates these days. You and I are called to a higher place of living, a prayerful place of living. Jesus encouraged us even pray for your enemy. Have you thought of that in relationship to those for whom you will not vote? The Apostle Paul wrote another letter to the church at Corinth in which he called the people to remember all this is from God who reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. I have a great concern that you and I would be involved in healing the heart of this nation. Much good can come from our praying for our leaders. It is out of prayer that I believe this nation was born and it is out of prayer that I believe this nation will be redeemed.